Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 181 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I don't want to go into too much detail because we do go a little bit long, but know that you are going to just love today's guest, Kristen. She's fantastic. But I do want to take a couple of minutes to bring up a, some other things that I've been talking about. The first is that Ask Me Anything episode, which will be coming up at some point in time. Remember, if you have a question for me, you can email Eric. Email him at eric at andysmom.com. If you have a question for Eric, email me, marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the website too, andysmom.com, and register for our email updates. If you sign up to get updates weekly, you will get to see the wonderful pictures that are sent by our guests every week and see the pictures of their kids. You can also see those pictures just by going to the website and looking under the current episodes page. Two final bits of information. One, the next live stream with Gwen will be on Tuesday, March 21st at 7 p.m. In that live stream, we are going to be talking about the physical symptoms of grief, and we'll be having a special guest come on with Gwen and I as well, someone who you have heard in the past. The last bit of information is that I have started the forum. So the forum on the webpage is now open and we will try to get that going and hopefully spark some really good conversation there. But for now, just sit back and enjoy listening to Kristen, Ty's mom. Thank you so much, Kristen, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast and talk today. Yes, I'm excited. Oh, I'm really excited to have you. And I'm excited to hear all about your son, Ty. So do you want to go ahead and start by just talking about him? Sure. Yeah. Ty was born September 15th in 2001. I was 19 years old. And I remember it was obviously right after September 11th happened. Oh, yeah. I remember being pregnant and waking up and seeing the news and everything on TV. So it was right around that time, just to put that in perspective. Nice, yeah, I guess, easy pregnancy, just a lot of sickness. But he born, no problems, no issue. Yeah. He was a feisty little kid, always, I mean, just, and I think <laughs> looking back now, I wish I would have let him get dirtier like I, he's he was <laughs> such a boy like wanted to be dirt like get dirty and just rough and tumble kid but I was always like nope trying to clean him up every 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 chance I got like nope you're making a mess like this is what I see kids in the office I always 
like compliment them if they have bruises on their legs. If they have bruises on their legs, that means I know they're having fun, right? right? And they're outside yeah. and they're rough and tumble and I love it. And yeah. so I always make a point to compliment bruises on the legs. <laughs> uh, I love that. <laughs> I wish I would have, you know, it's it's always hindsight, hindsight. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he was he was a good kid. He was he loved soccer. He loved, he loved soccer later on in life. Baseball was in T-ball, you know, that's what he started doing when he was, as soon as he was old enough to, and his dad and his papa coached his first T-ball team and he loved baseball. His dad still plays baseball in an adult league, um, on Sundays. Uh, so his dad was always into baseball. So Ty naturally fell into baseball. Mm -hmm. I think at about... 10, nine or 10 years old is when he decided mm, not so much a fan of baseball and he, really? wanted, he wanted to play soccer. And so we tried soccer and he loved it. And he was a fast, fast runner. So he did really well. The first year or two was an adjustment period and he started an indoor. So moving then to outdoor was a lot different because the indoor fields are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. There's just not as much space past the the lines of the field. And I don't know, it was just, it was a totally different ball game when you get out onto the outdoor fields, but he loved it. He made a lot of good friends in soccer, funny story, <laughs> kind of funny was at the time, but he in preschool, I'll never forget. I got a phone call or no, I think I, they told me when we got there to pick him, when I got there to pick him up at the end of the day. And they said, you know, we had a little issue with Ty today and I was like, oh no, what'd he do? And <laughs> they said, well, he was out on the playground and apparently he had to use the restroom. And so he, he went to the bathroom <laughs> outside in a bush on the playground. We can't have that on the playground. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, we can't have that. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> we had to work on that. And it wasn't a normal thing for him to do. Like that was very, I don't know, but <laughs> apparently yeah, we're, we we stopped doing that. So he just, he was a good kid. He was everybody's kid Yeah, in my family because I was so young. And then, you know, we, I, like his, we were young and trying to work several jobs and to support ourselves and to support this kid now, this baby and boy, you know, he was watched by family Yeah, in addition to daycare. And I waited a year before I went back to work. So, but then he was just, he was everybody's kid. Everybody latched onto him. Everybody took care of him. Everybody loved him so much. He was the first grandchild in the family. He was the first nephew and mm -hmm. great nephew. And I mean, his great aunts were like his aunts. I mean, just, we have a really, really, really close family and a big family. And he just was everybody's, everybody's kid. Yeah. Later on in life, growing up, he wanted to be a professional wrestler. He just, <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, where, where did I go wrong? You want to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> then it turned into, he wanted to be a professional YouTuber and then a professional video game player. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these are just not sustainable lifelong careers here. Like, <laughs> like we, I'm just praying that by the time high school hit, he was going to have a little bit more of a clear path or a clear direction on where he wanted to go in life because he was just all over the place. 
I love that though. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Hey, a kid should be able be to a drink. Dreamer. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you had girls later too, right? So then I, when did he become I a big did. brother? At 10 years old, he became, I was done after him, but then I got married. Um, so me and his dad were together for about eight or nine years. And then we, we split up and we never were married or anything. So I ended up getting married. His dad's now married and his dad has three kids, Kingston, Sienna, and Cora. And then, um, I have two little girls. So with my husband, so he became a big brother in a lot of ways. I mean, you yeah. know, both on both sides, <laughs> he became a, so he went from being an only child to eventually being big brother to five. Yeah. And he always wanted to be a brother. He always wanted to have a sibling. And so he definitely got siblings. <laughs> he was really, really close with his uh, sisters. He was, he was close. I'm sure on his dad's side to, I, I'm pretty sure Kingston was the one who's closest to because he's the oldest. Right. And he still is a lot younger than a little younger than my girls. So he was really little when, or Ty was a lot older when Kingston yeah. was born. He was really close with the girls. I mean, just would wrestle with them for being 10 years older than them. And, you know, we'll say 12 years older when they were finally at an age where, you know, he could kind of play with them and wrestle yeah. with them and they're not baby babies, but um, he was just a really, really good big brother. He was I, and it gave me insight to how he would be as a dad, yeah. um, the patience, uh, that he had yeah. and the direction he liked to give and the lessons he liked to teach were very mature for his mm -hmm. age, wise beyond his years. He was definitely an old soul, did not understand the concept of school. I mean, he, he just, this is all useless information. Like, why can't we just pick what we want to do and then learn about it kind of thing? Like all this other stuff, like, you know, is just useless and, you know, was so smart. Um, he was very, very smart, but he was lazy and did not yeah. want to do homework or he would do homework and then he wouldn't turn it in or he'd forget to turn it in. It's like, boy, that's even worse. Like you spend all this time doing the work, like you need to at least turn it in and get the credit for it. But he loved photography. Mm -hmm. He took some photo classes in high school and just fell in love with it. He liked to paintball, um, go paintballing and soccer was big all through high school. And he made the soccer team in high school, his freshman year, which mm -hmm. I think at that point, I don't know that I had been more proud of him. Like yeah. that's something he, like the amount of pride that I had when he texted me and said, I made the soccer team. And I was just over the moon. Like I, I, I was so happy for him because I knew how bad he wanted that. And then I literally, the that end of the day, he told me that his grades weren't where they needed to be for him to be able to be on a soccer team that he was told oh. that his GPA wasn't, he was just under, and he wasn't, he thought he had more time to get his GPA up before, like when the season actually started, because you make the team before you actually start, you know, playing yeah. games and practicing, but you had to have the GPA at that moment. And he just was under, and he was so bummed. Oh, I bet. And he never tried out again, which broke my heart. Oh, no. yeah. 
So, so yeah, I was like, it was such a high. And then I was like crushed for him. Yeah. I think it was for the best. He, he just, he, he loved life, man. Towards the, the later years, he became obsessed with, I think, well, I would say actually, I don't know. He, he went on, uh, summers were just crazy. We would, we would go to the river every year, have a Sioux for the summer and with the whole family. I mean, there'd be like 28 of us, 30 of us, Wow, a couple of boats and jet ski. And so he, he loved the river. He loved water. Um, also every year, me and my kids and my husband, we would go up to Washington state. My mom lives up there and my grandmother. And so she, and she lived my grandmother lived on a lake. Um, in Washington. And so we'd go up there every summer and spend about nine or 10 days. And it was like our fourth or fifth trip. I think that we had gone up there in a row and on the way home, I was like, I wanted to start doing stuff with just me and my kids and my husband and like make, you know, it's a road trip there and a road trip back. So we may as well do something fun on the way home. And so I started trying to look at fun things to do things I'd never done that I just, you know, would want to do. And so we started like doing caves, like the Oregon or the Shasta caverns. We did that one year. And then I think that it was the next year that Ty said, what about whitewater rafting? And I was like, Uh okay, maybe (laughs) we can do that. So I looked into it and we went that year and ever we had so much fun. It was so fun that every single year, that's what we did. We found a new place to do whitewater rafting. So he kind of started that. We just kept it going every single year. We do a different river. And I think we got up to about four. Well, we did. Yeah. Well, I think three with him. We've done four now trips of whitewater rafting. Um, Mm -hmm. One of which we had so much fun doing. We've gone back and done like the middle and the lower end of the river a second time. So, And this is all kind of on your way to go to Washington again? Yeah, yeah. And you're from California, is that right? Yes, yes, I'm in California. Um, So he kind of started that. Um, He loved waterfalls when he was home, like he would research hiking trails and just any any chance he had to be out in nature he took it yeah he loved it he just loved it yeah that's that's Ty well this is probably a good point to talk about then what happened to Ty because you were just talking about how much he loved being outside and doing hiking and mm -hmm. yeah so it was September 2nd in 2019 and Mm -hmm. it was a Monday it was a holiday I'm trying to remember which holiday it was. It's either Labor Memorial Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day is in September. Yeah. Yeah. So Labor Day. It was Labor Day. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to go. My daughters and I were getting ready to go over to my aunt's house. She was hosting just a family barbecue get together for my, my cousin Chad's birthday. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to go over there and Ty was going to go hiking with some friends and then meet us over there. He came and sat down on the couch with me. And we, you know, I was watching a show and, um, he just said, you know, he was waiting for his friend to come get him and they were going to head out and go hiking. And I was like, okay, we'll have fun. Come back and meet us at Karen's. When you get back, Mm -hmm. we'll be there. And so he gave me knuckles 
And I said, I love you. Be safe. And he walked out the door. Yeah. I was over at my aunt's with my girls and we were playing games. Like we were a big game family. We have family game night every month and do, you know, different card games and all kinds of games. Mm -hmm. We were playing games and I got a phone call from one of his friend's moms and her name is uh, Sabrina. She called me and she said, Hey, Vivian, who is Ty's friend, Thomas. So Ty went uh, hiking with Thomas, his friend, Thomas, Mm -hmm. and Thomas's little brother. His other friend, Josiah was supposed to go, but didn't because he had homework. And Sabrina is Josiah's mom. Vivian is Thomas's mom. Mm -hmm. So Vivian, Thomas's mom had called Sabrina and said, Hey, do you know where they were supposed to go hiking since Josiah was supposed to go with them, but didn't go. Do you know where they went? It's four o'clock. I haven't heard from them. They've got to be getting hungry. I, there's no cell service. I'm trying to call. I can't reach them. And she was starting to worry. And so Sabrina called me and said, Hey, I just talked to Thomas's mom. She's starting to kind of panic and worry because it's four o'clock and she hasn't heard from them. She can't reach them. And, you know, do you want to maybe give her a call? And I was like, okay, (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to say because I I don't know anything. I just know they went hiking. And, you know, so I called her and I said, you know, Ty goes hiking all the time. Um, You know, this I think was newer for Thomas to go out hiking. I mean, especially, I don't know. So I, she was worried. I was trying to calm her down a little bit and she was just like, you know, okay. You know, I think she was going to give it a little bit more time, but then she's like, I'm ready to go out there. She's like, I don't have a good feeling. She's like, I'm ready to go out there right now. And I said, okay, well, where did you, I didn't even ask where they were going hiking. Right. I don't know why he's 17. He's Mind you, his birthday is September 15th, and this yeah. is the second. So he's just about to be 18. Uh-huh. I didn't ask where he was going hiking. I normally would, yeah. normally do, had no clue. Thank God uh, Josiah's mom knew. And Sabrina said, I think they were going to Switzer Falls, which is out in Tahunga Canyon, which is LA. It was like an hour plus away from us and where we're at, I was like, you know, okay, well, let me know if you decide to go out there and I will, you know, I'll go out there as well. Um, And so I was trying to call Ty and I was leaving him voicemails like, Hey, Thomas's mom's freaking out. You need to have him call her as soon as you guys get service. You know, I wasn't worried at all. Ty went hiking often. He always came home. Yeah. I'm sure he would go and, you know, as soon as it starts to get dark, he would head back to the car. Not before. I mean, you know, any chance he got to go see a waterfall or to go out in nature, he was, he was there for as long as he could be. And, um, so I got a call again from Vivian and she's like, you know, the sun's starting to go down. Like I'm, I'm heading out there right now. She's like, I'm not waiting. She's like, I'm going out there. I still can't reach them. And she's like, I'm ready to call the police and I'm ready to call. And I'm just like, whoa, we're not even there yet. Like, what, you know, like, yeah, I I don't know. Nothing in my body or my, my gut, nothing was telling me something was wrong. I just, but okay, if you're going, I'm going because I don't want to be the one to go. So I started driving out there and I called Ty's dad and I said, Hey, I'm just letting you know that I'm heading out to Switzer Falls and Thomas's mom's getting worried because she hasn't heard from them and uh, she can't reach them. And 
I'm sure everything's fine, but because she's going, I feel like I have to go and I should be there. So I started driving out there. My luckily my aunt was like, you know what, I'm going to come with you. Um, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, this could be nothing. Like, I don't understand, you know, I don't even know what, like, I'm going to get halfway out there and get a phone call. Like, okay, they're fine. And I'm going to be like, I could have been playing games. Right. Right. But you know, she came with me and thank God she did. Um, we started driving out there and we got about to the exit of the freeway or a little bit, I don't know, maybe about halfway out there. I got a call from Vivian and she said, Ty is missing. And I said, what? And she was like, I, I got out here. I found the boys. My, um, Thomas and his brother had come down the mountain to the ranger station to try to get service and to call for help. And I said, wait, okay. So Ty, why weren't, why aren't they together? And and she just said, I I don't know all the details. I'm just calling to let you know, I've already contacted the sheriff and they're on their way and they're dispatching some like people to come out like search and rescue. And I was like, Oh, this just turned really fast. Like, yeah. So now I'm just like, okay, he's probably lost. Like I hope he's not. Um, but why was it, you know, he knows better than to go off on his own. He knows better than to go somewhere else or separate from his friends. We've gone over this, you know, like he knows, he knows better. I got up to the mountain. They weren't letting anybody down to the parking area. So we were parked on the side of the road. They had already shut. I don't know. Maybe the gate was shut the whole time. Um, and they, you know, I don't know, but I pulled off the side of the road and the police were there and the sheriffs were there and we were waiting on the search and rescue team to get there. They started asking, you know, they'd already interviewed Thomas and asked, you know, Hey, when's the last time you saw him and started getting all the rundown. And they asked me, they said, you know, we just need you to answer some questions. And um, they started asking questions like, are there dental records? Does he have braces or no braces? Does he have any tattoos or markings or scars? Things that I'm like, why are you asking me this right now? Yeah, absolutely. I was like freaking out. Like why these questions? Like, you know, he left this morning, he went to go hiking. That's the last time I saw him. And they're like, these are just standard questions. You know, don't like we, if it, when search and rescue is called out, we need to know who, like, does he have blonde hair, blue, like, what does he look like? We need a description. Like we need to know who we're looking for. So still not thinking anything, um, at all. His dad short arrived shortly because obviously as soon as I found out Ty was missing, I called his dad and I said, you need to get out here now. Ty's missing. Um, he's not with his friends and they can't find him after talking to his friends, they had gone down and they had hiked all the way down to the lower waterfall, which was a small little waterfall. And they had kind of, it was a hot day. I mean, it was over a hundred degrees out. So it was a hot day that day. And, um, they had been, you know, swimming down at the the lower waterfall and just kind of, then they started coming back up and his friend's brother had rolled his ankle and was also like dry heaving, kind of not feeling good. So was probably dehydrated a little bit and heat exhaustion. So when they got up to where the trail splits, where you could go to the big waterfall or you could go back to the parking area and the cars, 
they were, they were hiking back towards the cars and Ty said, Hey, I want to go check out the big waterfall real quick. I'll meet you back at the car. And so they, his friends continued on to the car and Ty Mm -hmm. went over to see the big waterfall. He never showed back up at the car. And so his friend Thomas had gotten out of the, you know, brought the car down from the road to the picnic area and was waiting there for about an hour and then started looking for him and bless his heart ran back to the small waterfall where they had hiked, you know, earlier in the day. Cause he hadn't been to the big waterfall yet. He didn't know where that was or yeah. what that was. Um, I'm unclear if he went to the big waterfall eventually when he didn't find him at the small waterfall and kind of, but if he went and looked, but you know, just he couldn't find him anywhere. So then that's when he, started to get in the car and drove down to the ranger station to get service and called his mom and called. Um, and then she called for help. Yeah. It just, uh, I don't know those, those moments of waiting at the top of the road, they wouldn't let us down there. I mean, his dad was ready to sneak off. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Yeah. And, and go look for him. But they were very adamant about it's dark. We, we don't need extra people to look for. Like if you're not familiar with the trails or the, the, you know, the terrain, we don't need somebody else that we have to come and search and rescue for. And I was, I'm very much now later in life, a rule follower. And I just was like, don't you dare, don't you dare. But the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, you know, he's just got to be lost and, you know, several hours passed and a second team came out and started helping with the search and rescue. And I just kept thinking, so help me God, if I have to air vac him out of a ravine and pay for an air vac, I'm, I'm going to kill him. Like, yeah. And then we, uh, another sheriff pulled up and apparently, and now I know I didn't realize, I, I mean, there's always a designated person that has to tell you the news, right? You don't just the officers that were there are not in a position where they can tell parents bad news. So the entire time we were waiting, we, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I'd been up there since about seven 30. Mm-hmm. And, um, at about 11 o'clock that sheriff pulled up and he came over and he said, are you, are you Kristen and Mike? And, we said yes. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your son's gone. And the words that came out of my mouth were like, you're effing kidding me, right? Yeah. You're kidding, right? Like this is, and no, what, what human being would kid about something like that? But that's the only thing that could come out of my mouth was. You're not the first person who said that, by the way, I've heard that from other people that have said, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're kidding, right? Like, what do you mean gone? Like, and I felt, and he said, you know, we found him and he's not, he's gone. He's passed. And I just hit my knees yeah, and screamed and just gasped and no tears came, mm-hmm. which the entire time in my head, all I was thinking is, why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? Like I should be crying right now. Everybody's crying around me. Why am I not like, I just couldn't even process what they just said. That was my husband. My husband didn't cry. And he kept saying, thinking to himself, what kind of a dad am I that I'm not even crying? Yeah. 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 
I was like, does this mean I didn't love him as much as they love them? Like, why am I not crying? Yeah. That's, I was so stuck on that. Yeah. Eric was too. Yeah. Marcy, it took me, I don't even know, I will maybe not a full week, but almost a full week uh-huh. to shed a tear. Yeah. Everything in my body was crying. My, I mean, yeah. I'm, I was shuddering. I was like the sounds coming out of, I felt like I was crying, but a tear did not drop for several days. It yeah. took for me to even process it. And I just was like, well, are you sh- like, are you sure? Are you, do, how do you know? Like, are you sure? They said, ma'am, we've identified he had his wallet, his driver's license in his, you know, in his wallet. And we, we've identified him. And I said, but, 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 but you could be wrong, right? Like you could be wrong. And they were like, his wallet was in his pocket. Like, unless, you know, no, it's, it's him. We're sure it's him. And I said, I think that they just started going into detail about how they haven't that. I don't even think we found out exactly what happened Mm -hmm. that day. I mean, they didn't say where I don't think, I don't think, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, it's a little blurry. I don't remember exactly. I don't know that we were told he had fallen from the top of the waterfall. I think we found that out a few days later, but I'm shaking right now. (laughs) Of course you are. Of course you are. That's fine. It was just a surreal experience. I have never been able to drive up a mountain and see the guardrail and the light from the cars on the other side of the street, like shining through as you're going up the mountain. Like everything from that, I get PTSD if I have to go on a mountain at night or drive up a mountain road at night because of that night. And I just kept saying like, I would have paid for your life back. Like I wouldn't have killed you. I would have much rather had that than the outcome or the alternative. And I just, I mean, the whole time sitting on the side of that road, I was like, he's going to be out here all night by himself. Cause they're going to have to stop looking at a certain point if they don't find him yeah. when all along they had found him. That second rescue team came out to help with the recovery, not the Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. And where he was at, there is no way to get to the bottom of that waterfall unless you fall. Yeah. There is, but it's extremely risky and unsafe and nobody in their right mind would do it. Now, I had never hiked that hike, so I had no idea... I couldn't make sense of any of this. I couldn't make sense of the description of what his friends were saying, you know, where they went and what happened. Like none of it's making sense because I had never been there, never hiked it. So that's what we did three days later. We as a family all went out there and hiked that trail. We hiked all the way down to the small waterfall because I had to make sense of what happened. Yeah. I had to know what happened. How could this happen? Like I needed to see it for myself. And we hiked all the way down to the small waterfall, which I was definitely out of shape. <laughs> yeah. As were the rest of all of us uh, mostly, but it was a hike. I mean, it was yeah. several miles and it was downhill, uphill, like it was a hike. Yeah. And it was hot. And 
I mean, we were taking lots of stops and breaks and granted he's 17, they're young kids, they're active in soccer. So maybe it wasn't quite as difficult for them, but the fact that his friend went and hiked that in a hurry looking for him and then back up, I mean, it took us three hours two maybe two hours just to get down to the small waterfall. And then to get back, it was like two hours. I mean, if not more, because now we're going all uphill, it was a grueling hike. And so at the small waterfall, some of my cousins and Mike's Ty's dad, Mike, they followed the water all the way back. And the only way which they were assuming would lead them to the bottom of the tall waterfall. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were scaling ledges that were like this big, just shimmying across the side of this cliff face to get to the top of this small waterfall and then to follow the water back. And then somebody came, I, I waited, I was, I was ready to go. Like I needed to go. I needed to be there. And so finally I start, I walked back there with them. So my cousin had come back and said, yes, this is the right spot. Like we found it. They found his hat laying in the water still, like his hat had fallen off of him. And it was the the hat that we bought when we went whitewater rafting the last time from the white salmon river. So I knew it was his. And so I went back and I started walking back there. I was like, I have to see it. In Marcy, it was only, I don't know, the water came up to my ankles. Like that, it's summer. California is not a wet state. We're a dry state. I mean, the water coming down the waterfall, it was mostly mossy and I mean, trickling it, there's no heavy flow. This isn't some beautiful grand waterfall. It was a puddle at the bottom and, you know, ankle deep and maybe a little deeper than ankle deep, but you know, it was very shallow, you know, it took several days for the autopsy to come back, but they had to do an autopsy to figure Mm -hmm. out what he passed from. I mean, if there was any foul play, if there was any suspicious act, you know, they took photos of the scene. I would have never one, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it ended up happening the way it did because it answered some questions, Yeah. but it also kind of made it worse yeah. in a way because he didn't have one broken bone. I mean, we're talking 55, 60 feet. He fell. Really? He didn't have one broken bone. He had lacerations and some cuts and some bruises. He had bruising, you know, on, I didn't see him. I opted not to, I I'm jumping around all over the place, but when they, told us that he had passed, they did say that the coroner was going to be coming out and that they probably wouldn't have him up to the road for at least three or four hours. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get down the mountain and start calling people. That's all I could think of was like, everybody has to know. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has to know right now. Like right now, I don't care what time it is. Everybody has to know. And so my aunt and I hopped in the car and she drove me down the mountain. I mean, I think I stayed for all of five or six minutes after they told us. And then I left. And now looking back, it's like, why didn't I wait for them to bring him up? I wish I would have waited just and not left him on the mountain Yeah, by himself. You know, I don't know. I just... 
I wish I would have stayed, but we drove down the mountain to the gas station and by the freeway and started calling people. My uncle, because he hadn't heard from us, he got worried and he just started driving out. When By the time we made it down the mountain, he was up the mountain already and speaking with the search and rescue or the sheriff. So yeah. when we finally did call him and get a hold of him when he was coming down the mountain, he said he had already, he already knew. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have any broken bones. He had some lacerations, you know, cuts, nothing that was life-threatening. He had hit his head Mm -hmm. and knocked himself out and he landed face down in a puddle of water. So he drowned. The cause of death was drowning and obstruction of the airway, like aspirating or they found pebbles and sand and in his throat. And so God had, he just landed upright. Yeah. But then who's to say, I know that there's, after talking to um, search and rescue, there's people that have survived that fall, but a lot of them aren't the same yeah. people yeah. afterwards, but there is so many deaths that have happened up there. Wow. So the search and rescue guy that found him, his name's Mike Liam, and he showed up at my son's funeral. Oh. And he said, I just needed you to know that when I found him and they had to propel down the waterfall because there's just no way to get, especially in the dark, get to the bottom without just going over the top. Yeah. He said, I didn't leave him. I didn't leave his side. I held his hand and I stayed with him until we were able to get him up and out. Oh, that means a lot. And I just wanted you to know he wasn't alone. And I was just so thankful. Yeah. And so grateful. And then the fact that he came to his service just meant everything to me. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah, it really did. Because I was already feeling like I should have stayed on that mountain until they brought him up. And I had asked because after the the autopsy took like three days to even get started. All I kept thinking when I was at home was like, I need to get him here. Like, he's in LA. I'm in Chino. I'm in a different county. Like, I need to get him close here like he can't be stuck I need him closer like yeah I just needed to get him out of the the, the oh, I don't even want to say that word the morgue yeah or the the coroner's office like where I don't know the thought of him being there was just like he was lost or away from home like it just even though he was gone it just didn't sit well with me him being somewhere he wasn't familiar with Right. Somewhere I wasn't familiar with. It's funny because you just still want to take care of them and parent them, right? You still do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I was, there was an urgency in, in me flooding through me that I need to get him here. Yeah. So the autopsy though, they did a toxicology, all that, like nothing. He, he was, God, he was a good kid. He, he had a little bit of a rough life. I mean, I struggled with addiction through the early parts of or the middle part of his life a little bit. And he lost his, his, his papa on his dad's side Mm -hmm. at a young age, but he was so close to his papa because that they helped watch him and, you know, everybody, I mean, it was just a devastating loss for him. And then he had to watch his Nana turn to alcohol to deal with the loss of her husband. And he had to witness some hard things and he had to deal with some hard things and, he was such a fighter and he was, he was going to go into the Navy. That was the end uh, plan. 
after he graduated and got his braces off, he was going to go into the Navy. He wanted to be a SEAL. My brother-in-law is is in the Navy and he's SWIC, which they insert the SEAL teams in their, you know, on their... Mm-hmm for their missions. And my other cousin is also in the Navy. So the Navy is, is a prevalent thing in our family, but he was going to join the Navy and he was so excited to do it. He wanted to go live with my sister in Colorado because my sister and my brother-in-law, they're Navy. So they travel They're Yeah. They were in Louisiana and they went to Colorado. And so he wanted to go to Colorado and explore and hike and see all what Colorado had for like a year and see all the things. And then he was going to join and enlist. Yeah. None of that ever got to happen. And he never even got his braces off. Like we were weeks away. He was two weeks shy of his 18th birthday and had just graduated from high school and just gone just like that. Yeah. And just so hard to even wrap your head around, right? Just so much shock. Oh, 100%. So much shock. Yeah. Do you want to talk now about your grief journey and what you've done that's been helpful or not so much? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. It'll be four years in September. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind that it will already have been four years. It seems yeah. like it was just yesterday. Yeah. But then there's times where it seems like it was so long ago. Yeah. I think I feel the so long ago when I'm like missing him so much. And like, it's been so long since I've heard his voice. It's been so long since I've had a hug or yeah. heard him say ma or heard his laugh, you know, like it's just been so long, so long ago. But then the memories and the shock of it all and the that night replaying it over in my head. It just, it's like it was yesterday. Yeah. I was, I think that night we, we got, my uncle ended up driving us home. I left my car at that gas station and just came home with my family and my cousins ended up going out later that night and picking up my car and bringing it back to my house for me. But we, we walked into my aunt's house and all my cousins were still there. Obviously they had heard now, Yeah, you know, they'd gotten the call and, you know, they were all saying like, Oh, it's going to be fine. Chris, he's going to be fine. You're going to find like when yeah. I left from there. So when I'm walking back in and it's not fine, I just wanted to be like, you guys were so wrong. Like you told me it was going to be okay. And it wasn't okay. Yeah. But I think we sat in silence for four or five hours. Just everybody was, nobody had words. We ended up coming back to my house. I had no idea how I was going to tell his sisters, my, my daughters. We just sat, I think probably until, I don't know, three or four in the morning. I think I finally laid down. My sister came over. My other sister was already on a plane from Colorado. I mean, immediately she just hopped on a plane and was here. I think first thing the next morning, the entire family was over the next day and the girls woke up and did you find Ty? Did you find Ty? Yeah, we found him, but he's not, he's not, he's gone, babe. Like both of them just gone where, like gone, like he's in heaven. He, I couldn't, I still have a hard time saying dead. Yeah. It's very hard for me to say that word. I try to find a different way to fluff it up. Like it changes the meaning, but it doesn't, Yeah, you know, I, he's, he's in heaven. He's never coming back. He was hurt. He was hurt bad and he's gone. They cried for several minutes. And then my youngest said, can we have breakfast now? And I was like, yeah, you can go have breakfast. Yeah. And then the other said, 
can I have his room? And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Not expecting. Yeah. I took offense. <laughs> I yeah. took very much offense to all to, to just, I was expecting maybe for them to process it like an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Their kids, they were six and eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Six and eight. So it was like just a fleeting moment kind of thing where they had their little moment of let's cry and they were sad. And I just don't think that they understood the permanency of no, it. They didn't. Uh-uh. And I've heard that that's very common because I, I immediately got on Google and was like, I mean, beforehand I was how to Google, it, like how to tell your kids yeah. that a sibling has died. Like what are the best, like, you know, cause I just had no idea how to even do that. And, and then I started Googling, like, is this a normal reaction or, you know, cause I just was expecting them to just be beside themselves, right. but they wanted to go to school the next day. They wanted to feel normal. I think they, yeah. they, I mean, it was a sad place around here. It was just a bunch of zombies, not really saying much and, you know, just kind of hanging out and nobody wanted to be alone, but nobody had anything to say. I mean, we, we did go through the whole what do we think happened? Like, how did this happen? Cause it's at this point we still had, you know, yeah. no idea immediately, but after going and hiking the trail and getting to the top of that waterfall and the bottom of that big waterfall, I mean, there, his friends would have never seen him. They would have had to get all the way to the edge because the edge goes kind of curves down and then, get, you know, like yeah. you really would have had to get to the edge and look down and that's not what his friends are thinking happened to him. No, you know, no, like no, no. If, if I didn't have that, you know, initial reaction, like, oh my gosh, something bad happened. Like maybe I should check the bottom of the wall. I just, that wasn't where they were thinking, you know, they thought he just got lost on a trail somewhere or veered off the path or something. Yeah. No grief has been, this has been a, I was not prepared. No, I mean, I've lost people in right. my life. I've lost grandparents. I've lost. I lost an uncle suddenly in his sleep and we still don't know really what happened, but um, we think a heart attack or something. And he was, we were close with him as, you know, yeah, as close as I could be with him. So that was a really hard one. I used to not be able to talk about that, like that death without just falling apart. Now I can, yeah. because it's just not the same as a child as my child. I'm struggling, I think right now to find a purpose. Yeah. My initial reaction when I first went and hiked that hike was, okay, this is where I need to be on the year anniversaries. This is where I need to be. Like I, I felt him up there. Yeah. But then I went back a few more times and on the one year anniversary, we walked that trail, we hiked it and it, j I didn't feel in there anymore. And I was like, I don't need to come back here. Yeah. Nobody talked about him. This was just, it was a very awkward, weird. Yeah. Didn't need to do that again. And I've not been back since. I think I just, I needed to see it to make sense of what happened. Yeah. Still don't know the full story. I mean, did he slip? Was he taking a cell? Like they, they were trying to see if his phone had any pictures, but it had gotten wet and fallen in the water. So his phone was non recoverable. Yeah. There's nothing we could recover from his phone. Uh, he wasn't a selfie kind of person. So <laughs> yeah, I doubt that was it, but definitely just got too close to the edge. And I think slipped yeah. probably went to look over the edge to see, you know, Hey, what's down there. Yeah. And is there a way I can get down there? Yeah. 
and slipped. I don't know. I'm struggling to find something to do. Immediately, I thought to myself, I wanted to put chain link fences up to block mm-hmm. anybody from seeing this waterfall or not seeing it, but like yeah. walking to the edge. I mean, they have signs that are so graffitied over and so old and dilapidated. They're falling. They're being swallowed up by ivy. Yeah that say, you know, this is not a trail, but because so many people go there, it has become a trail. It's a well-worn path through the wilderness that has now become a trail. And if there people don't see the signs that say, this is not a trail or part of the trail, please, not that my son would have listened. He would have gone anyways. He was 17 and invincible and thought he knew it all. But I, I just, they had, the trails are not kept up. And they're not, they're just, they're, the signs are outdated and clearly you can't even read what's on them because of the graffiti. And I wouldn't want to take away from the nature or the beauty of it right. because that's what he loved the most. So that doesn't seem fitting for me to, to do. I definitely, as I get further along this journey in my grief, I, I think, I think being a grief counselor is something I want to do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still trying to kind of trying to find my way and figure out what means the most to me. I definitely feel like life is too short. It's very prevalent now at, at how short our lives really could be and are in the grand scheme of things. I try to live every single day. Like it could be my last, you know, it's funny I definitely wasn't really aware of how much it changed my thought process and the way that I look at the future Yeah. until we were, we had just bought our house uh, the year after he passed. And when we went to do the refi to, because this is when the market was crazy everywhere and the values were just shooting up like crazy. So we were trying to get rid of our insurance, our PMI and our value had reached a point where we thought we were good to do that. And so we went to do a refi and get our rate down a little bit and get rid of our PMI. And my husband says, you know, I want to do 15 year loan. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, we're supposed to be doing this to get our payment down. Like, to save money. And you want to now go from a 30 year to a 15 year. That's not going to save us any money. Why, you know, and he's like, my husband is 20 years older than me. So in his mind, he has limited time left of working that he's going to be working. And if something were to happen to him or he, he wants the house to be paid off so that we have a house that's paid for that. I don't have to worry about paying. Yeah. So I understand his logic and it all makes sense. I mean, it does, but I was like, why am I going to be house poor or struggling to make a payment that costs, you know, that's astronomical when I'm alive. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be alive in 15 years or 20 or 30 years. Like, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'll be here. Like, so I'd rather live in the moment and enjoy my life and do all the things I want to do right now than have a house that's paid for when I may or may not be here. And we really struggled and went back and forth. And I was like, I'm just in such a different place than he is. Yeah. As far as that goes, whereas he's planning for the future. And I don't know that the future exists. I never would have been that way. Like, no, I've always been kind of a planner for the future too, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a fly by the seat of my pants, like, you know, spur of the moment kind of person, but in the big picture, 
I'm able to kind of have perspective and plan for, but I don't even try to do that anymore because I just don't know that that is going to happen. It does just change your whole perspective on life. It does. I feel like it's everything's just so fragile and yeah. it just might not be there. And and honestly, for me, and I don't know if you felt this way too, but the idea of living another 20, 30, 40 years like this is terrifying to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Like, I do not want to be a grieving mother for 40 years. Like, please, no. please yeah. don't let me be a grieving mother for 40 years. Please, I don't want to be a grieving mother for 20 years. So I can see why you would be thinking that because in your mind too it's not that you're being you know morbid and wishing your life away it's the fact that like I don't I feel like I don't want to go that long without seeing Andy I don't yeah I don't want to live another 30 years like this yeah yep so that just it just changes your whole perspective and like suddenly thinking about being retirement age and having I mean the idea of my husband dying before me terrifies me like I've just been thinking about this week because I've been like starting to work out more and my husband's overall you know real thin guy and in good shape and everything but I was like you need to start working out with me because I thought heaven forbid I outlive you I can't outlive you you don't I mean I can't I yeah I can't so you better start taking care of yourself because you can't you know like yeah it's just scary. It's really, really scary. I noticed too, and I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but I I feel myself, I pulled away instead of, I don't know, I'm not as affectionate mm-hmm. with my kids now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think because, and same thing with my husband, I don't want to be so close that it hurts this bad again if something were to happen to one of them. And so I have... I mean, I've never been a super touchy feely, like affectionate person. I'm very much an independent. I like to do my own thing and give me my space kind of person, but it's definitely changed the way I love yeah, or the way I show my love. I can't take, I can't say that I love anybody less. I, if anything, I, I definitely love harder yeah, and more and deeper and I don't have time or the headspace for petty conversation or small talk. Yeah. If it's not a deep dive in conversation on something deep and meaningful, like, nope, don't, don't have time for it. I may not be here tomorrow. Sorry. Got to go. Yeah. It's funny how that is though, but it's so true. It is so true. It is so true. Why am I going to waste my time (laughs) doing this? Right. Like if, if it's not, if it's not a whole yes, I'm not doing it. And, you know, I don't want to say it's grief is selfish. I mean, but it is, it is absolutely necessary to Mm -hmm. be that way. Mm -hmm. Well, it's personal. It is so personal. It's personal. It is so personal. Yeah. I think that's what you need to try to tell yourself when you feel like I'm being selfish. Like, no, grief is personal for everyone. And you have to deal with it in that intimate, personal way. And that may feel like you're being selfish, but that's not really what it is. Yeah. It's that you have to turn inward and do this in a personal way. Yeah. So 
I'm just, you know, for my, I, I joined Facebook. I never was on social media. I just have never been a social media person. I just knew that it wouldn't be a healthy thing for me Yeah, <laughs> that I would see everybody's stuff and be like, oh, why is their life like this? And yeah, I'm that kind of person where mm, it's just not for me, but I knew my son had an Instagram account. And so I joined Instagram and Facebook and for my first, my birthday, my first birthday that I had since I had started a Facebook account, it comes up with, do you want to do this fundraiser and raise money for a good cause for your birthday? I went on just to check and see what, what I could raise money for. Like, what are the charities that are offered or, you know, what, the options were. And I started clicking and I saw search and I went, I searched uh, Montrose search and rescue team because that's the team that went out and found my son. They had a page and they had, so I picked it and I just <laughs> on a whim, this, I never even posted anything on Facebook. <laughs> so I had no idea what I was doing and really just got kind of got too far in where it was like, okay, thanks. And then I got oh, the no. message, like now create your story. <laughs> like it's already been done. And I was like, Oh crap. Like I was just kind of trying to see if this, Committed. you know, was going to be something I wanted to do, but now I'm, now I'm in it. I guess I'm doing it. I, we raised $2,500 in, I think it's up for like two weeks or something, or I don't, maybe the whole month. I don't know. I don't remember now, but we raised $2,500. I had set a $3,000 yeah. goal and I was like, over the moon. I couldn't believe that people were donating. I was just blown away. And I was like, you know, when he, uh, the search and rescue, Mike Liam came to the, the celebration of life for my son. I remember looking at my cousin afterwards and I said, you know what, I'm going to be a search and rescue person. Like I, I want to do that. I want to, I need, I, I need to be trained and I want to get trained and I'm going to go be a search and rescue person. Like, well, and, and that's, again, goes back to you trying to find purpose, right? And that's what you're trying to do is trying to find what is my purpose now? Yeah. Because it does, it does change and you have this need yeah. to do something, right? To do something with your grief. And it can take years and years and years yeah. to find that something. Yeah. And sometimes it's in the first minute, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it hasn't been clear yet. Like I'm kind of a little bit all over the place. There's a lot of things I want to do, but that's okay. And I think it's good. I just don't know. Yeah. 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 I haven't. So we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. I definitely, um, you know, something too that I wanted to say and bring up that I don't think is talked about enough. And that's like things should really be made easy to cancel to all the things you have to like, I wouldn't let my husband turn off my son's phone yeah. line for, oh gosh, over a year. I, I needed to be able to call and hear his voice on that voicemail. And until I figured out a way to get that recording onto my phone or onto my computer, because I didn't know his passwords for his iCloud. I didn't know, but I mean, I was desperate to find, you know, to get, I, I wouldn't turn off his phone until I had everything from his phone onto my computer or onto my phone. So I took it to the Apple store. I mean, like I had to go through hell just to cancel things. I mean, his Spotify account, his music that was being billed to my credit card, my debit card every month. And it was like, yeah. there's no customer service. There's no way to get a hold of anybody there. I had to change my debit card and cancel my car just so that I could cancel that Spotify payment. 
because every month that $10 charge was a reminder of your son's not here. Like it was just mind blowing that there's not easier ways to do certain things. Because it's not supposed to happen that way, right? Yeah. I don't know. No, I couldn't believe that I was struggling that much and having such issues, like all the hoops you have to jump through just to even gain access to their stuff. If there's stuff to get access to, that was really difficult. Something I like to do since Mm -hmm. he's been gone is I, I take ashes with me everywhere I go. If we go to the beach or somewhere he hasn't been, like a different beach or campgrounds, we're... I'm in nature a lot more than I ever mm-hmm. was. I wish, I wish I would have done it more with him. I was not a nature yeah. person before this, but when I'm in nature, nature, I feel him. I feel close to him because it's where he would want to be and it's what he loved. And it brings me peace when I'm near water or just out in nature. Like I can breathe. And so I try every couple weeks I get the itch and it's like, okay, we need to go on a trip. Like, where are we going? I need to go somewhere this weekend. And whether it's just for a day, whether I love that I need to get out, like, and it's becoming more and more yeah. frequent. And so, yeah, I'm definitely out and about more yeah. and I spread his ashes every chance I get just a little bit. I went to Colorado and I hiked in the Red Rocks. I forget what the trail was called, but we hiked a really beautiful trail. And since that's where he wanted to go and stay with my sister for a year and explore, I spread some ashes there. I've spread ashes at Mason Lake where we would go as a family every summer I've spread ashes at the beach. I drive up to or to Louisiana with my sister in the summer and we went over to Florida last year or last summer and I spread some ashes there. It's just beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Everywhere we got yeah, but my my kids are starting to <laughs> It means a lot. Why do we have to spread Ty's ashes everywhere we go? I'm like yeah. because it's just something I have to do. As a mom, I need to bring him with me everywhere I go. And I do. That's my heart. I have his (laughs) fingerprint on a necklace. I know you have the same, right? Is that your heart? Yeah. And then I have his ashes in another piece and I've got. I did get it. (laughs) Joy. So he had. Oh, you got it. (laughs) So I'm still a little behind in the podcast. And I I think, well, maybe I did. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yay. I'm so happy you got it. You know, somebody told me that recently that they did that, that that can be done. That would have been cool. I mean, Andy's buried, so I didn't, but yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I was a little worried. I'm like, gosh, I hope I don't have a reaction. I'm like, you know, if I carried him for nine months and me a little ashes in with the ink into my sister shouldn't, shouldn't hurt me. Yeah. So, I mean, I find little ways to, to honor him and, you know, try to keep his memory alive. We, every single year now on the year, the anniversary of his passing, we've been getting together at the field where he played soccer. We planted a tree there through the city. And so, and I, I spread some ashes at the bottom of the hole before they put the tree in. So his friends had somewhere to go. Cause I know some of his friends had asked me at his service, you know? Yeah. So where, where yeah. will we, where can we go to see him? Like, you know, I didn't think of that. And I think they didn't understand the concept yeah. of that you're cremated. Like, so where's he going to go now? <laughs> where will he be? So I can go see him. And I'm just like, <laughs> you 
can come to my house anytime you want, but I'm sure that's not, you know, so now ideal. The like they want now somewhere the private, you know, yeah. to be with, or I don't know, but yeah, now they have a tree and, uh, we do, we were getting together every year and playing soccer and have like, you know, the whole family and all his friends would come out and we'd, you know, bring food and all the kids would play soccer and play a game of soccer in his memory. Yeah. You know, now they're 21 and Ty will forever be 17. And so it's really hard this last year when we got together and tried to do that because it worked so well the first time I was like, yeah, this will be the last time we get together and play soccer because it was really hard to get all these 21 year like they all just want to sit and catch up because they haven't seen each other. They all have different lives now and are going their own ways. And but now my kids call it Ty Fest. So we have Ty Fest every year. I think next year or this coming year, this September, we're going to do it at the beach because he loved the beach and it will fall on a weekend. So it'll be a little easier for people to get away. That sounds like a lot of beautiful ways that you're remembering him. Little thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing Ty with us today. It was just great to get to know him and you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you responding and letting me come on here and share him because it means a lot. And listening to your podcast, I mean, I just can't thank you enough for doing this. I I went through several podcasts and it was like after (laughs) one or two episodes, I'm like, yeah, nope, that's not the right one. Yeah. Nope. That one either. Nope. Nope. And it took me a while or a little bit to find yours and I found it and I haven't stopped listening since. And I, I binge listen to a point where it's probably, I mean, there's sometimes I just have to stop and I'm like, I feel heavy. Like this is heavy sometimes. Yep, like there yep. are days where I'm just sobbing so much. It's so funny because I have said many times on the podcast, this is not a podcast you can binge. And then I meet people like you who did that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it because it, it it's just, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like I, a little I tried. It's, it's like my therapy group. It has become my, and so now I get to finally care hear Ty's story and <laughs> contribute <laughs> in some way. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.